not winning 90% of your new business because you have some sort of incredible value. I'm going to take a bit of a different angle. You know, we got a budget this big. I'm going to give it to you because you have a, a really killer plan. You give a Red Bull to a turtle, what do you expect? <laughs> I think that's a dead turtle. <laughs> so let's move on to... Uh, e break. Cheers. 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 Does your current premium finance company lock you into long-term agreements? That's because they don't want you talking to us. At IFS, we win your business the good old-fashioned way, with customer service. I know you don't always have to use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Digital Insurance Pint Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Reed, and I'm joined uh, by my co-hosts, Steve Earle, CEO of Cheap Insurance. G'day. Jeff Roy, CEO of Excalibur Insurance. How's it going? And Adam Mitchell, CEO of Who Cares Because He's Not Here. Uh, don't know don't know where Adam is, <laughs> but uh, we are pleased to be joined today by Josh Resnick from Foxquilt. Josh, how's it going? Good. How are you, Tom? Doing pretty well, thank you. Uh, so before we get into our discussion with Foxquilt, I just do want to do a quick shout out to our sponsors, our premier sponsor, IFS Premium Finance, uh, the Crew Group, and as well as WIC, our charity partner. Uh, thank you very much for all you do to support the uh, the show, guys. So, Josh, maybe we'll start. Just do a quick, uh, maybe a short bio on yourself, and uh, then we're going to get Jeff to uh, to dig into that. So, uh, over to you. Sure. Uh, thanks, Tom. So, I'm Josh Resnick. I'm uh, the VP of Partnerships at Foxquilt. Uh, spent my entire career in. Uh, in the insurance world, uh, spent 10 years at Aviva, uh, where I actually met all of you. Uh, so that was a, a great journey. Yeah. Yeah. No, no backstories, but, um, it was, uh, it was a great journey spending, spending a, a large portion of my career there, uh, mostly focused on business development, uh, product development, and then, uh, leading the group home and auto program. And then, uh, I actually met Mark and Karim, who are the, the founders of Fox Quilt at Aviva. Um, and they came knocking probably about a year ago. Um, I always wanted to, you know, do something a bit more entrepreneurial and, and join a, a startup or, or growth company environment. And, uh, the, the opportunity presented itself. So I took the shift. Um, so really enjoying that, uh, outside of, uh, you know, the insurance world and, and Fox Quilt. I was mentioning to Steve earlier, uh, play rugby. Uh, so big into sports, rugby, golf, hockey, um, and spending time with uh, wife and, and my dog, Josie. We're just doing rapid fire. And Josh pretty much answered all my questions for me. So he already read into it. But uh, mm -hmm. we got a few more for you, Josh. So uh, really good to see you. It's been way too long, my friend. Uh, we, we always start off with us true Canadians. Who is your favorite Canadian band of all time? Canadian band? Um, Brian Adams. Brian Adams. All right. That's a popular choice. I, I saw him in Hamilton. It was pretty good. Good show. Right on. And uh, now, what's your favorite drink? Insurance? You almost have to drink. Uh, you know, this is a digital insurance plant podcast. All our listeners just want to know what's jo what's in Josh's fridge and what does he like to pound back when he has a few spare minutes? Uh, so fridge, I guess it'd be like an, an average lager. Uh, so like a, a Creamore. Uh, and then outside of beer, like really enjoy red wine now. So 
um, you know, a good Pinot Noir or maybe uh, a cab with a steak. Awesome. Now, now that now that we're back, uh, getting away and traveling, and COVID, nobody's really remembers even going through it. Where's the one place you want to travel? I think we were saying Switzerland would be be up there. Um, so probably best scenario would be the World Juniors. We're, we're present uh, in Switzerland and doing it there, or maybe not. Uh, if not that, uh, Davos has you know that championship every year uh, in December. So that would be pretty cool too. And, uh, how's your yodeling? You pretty good at yodeling, or what? Uh, it's like a, a medium game right now, but we can work on it. Yeah. Okay. And uh, are you an iPhone or uh, Android user? iPhone always. Yeah. All right. That's a good that. answer. Right answer. Yeah. And then besides Foxquilt, who's your favorite insure tech or tech startup of all time? You know, that's a tough one. I think being at Foxquilt and learning a little bit more. Um, you know, I appreciate what, what next is doing in the U S and then I think cover genius is doing a pretty good job with, with the embedded play. And one last thing with all your experience in the insurance industry, what's one tip you'd give to somebody new entering the industry? Learn the basics first, spend some time, you know, in a role that's going to teach you underwriting product, uh, areas of distribution, and then kind of take your career from there. Cause if you don't have the basics, you're going to struggle, um, I think to, to really grow all right, great, Josh. I'll let you off the hook and I'll pass you back to our, 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 our leader, Tom. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. All right, so Josh, Foxquilt. Why don't you, uh, we heard all about Josh. Let's hear about Foxquilt. Why don't you give us the uh, elevator pitch? Sure. Uh, so Foxquilt, you know, we classify ourselves as an insure tech. Uh, we're, we're focused on small business predominantly. Uh, so making the lives of, of small business owners easier through access to uh, technology, uh, and technology-powered insurance solutions. And I would say, you know, we, we, we call ourselves a true insure tech in that we have two distinguished arms of the organization. We have Fox Den, which is our technology. So that's our platform that's built uh, full stack, kind of front, middle, back. Uh, and it's built on a suite of, of APIs or uh, not to get too technical, but we call, you know, microservices. Um, so that's really what drives everything in terms of our, our distribution, uh, linking in with partners, open API access, super important. And a lot of the guys here are way smarter than probably us collect, uh, collectively in terms of our uh, engineers and, and technicians. They're pretty impressive. So that's the first arm. And then the second would be Fox Quilt, which is our, our distribution arm. So that's where we have manufactured product with uh, a partner uh, to kind of release out into the marketplace through through a bit of an omni-channel experience. Uh, and the goal is to build products uh, with, with our backing partner, but then also add on um, some, you know, frill products or, or add-ons through through APIs and reaching out to carriers or, or other, you know, an MGA uh, to bolt on. I mean, one of the obvious questions that sticks out to me is how are you guys distributing as far as are you going through brokers or direct to the businesses? Yeah, it's good. It's a good question, Adam, and we get it a lot. Um, we're we're very open and transparent with with what we're doing on distribution. So we call it omni-channel uh, in that we have multiple channels. So we do have a D to C direct to consumer arm uh, that's allowed us to uh, test out the technology, build product. Uh, you know, we're we're active through through Google networks and uh, through other social networks to to have some direct to consumer business. Um, we have enterprise partnerships, so that's where we're going after 
clusters and trying to digitize that experience for, for B2B networks. And then, you know, our third and very important distribution arm is, is brokers uh, and agents. And I mentioned agents because we're, we're operational in both Canada and the U.S. Um, so I think the main thing here is, is that we're very open and transparent with our, our distribution. Uh, we want to be where customers are. Uh, so we see the value in being, you know, have a D to C, but we, we definitely see the value in uh, if a customer wants to uh, be within an enterprise experience or if they want to be serviced through a broker, we want to be present with FoxQuote products uh, to allow that to happen. A couple things quickly here. Uh, I want to unpack a few things. Uh, we First of all, for our listeners, we'd like to understand there's some people kind of in your space, we think, but we'd like to understand how Apollo bullfrog maybe broker lift or different than what you are and then on the pricing side if you're omni-channel is the pricing you offering directly different than what you offer the broker or are they the same yeah good question um so i would say uh first of all the you know adding more uh digital carriers digital brokers and sure techs is only good for the industry right i think when it comes down to bringing technology to the forefront. So for the ones that you mentioned, I think everyone's doing a great job in, in pushing that uh, that message and push, pushing that methodology. But I would say, you know, Fox Quilt is different in when I, when I opened up and talked about the technology and really owning that from a full stack perspective, um, doing some research and seeing some of our other competitors out there. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of reliance on third-party technology, you know, like a Godwire, Duck Creek, or... Um, uh, licensing out uh, a policy admin system. So I'd say that's a big one in the sense that we're able then to uh, connect in more readily with third-party distribution arms, with enterprises, uh, and any change that we see within our flow, which we look at every day. So where customers are getting blocked or brokers are getting blocked within question sets, um, we're able to make those nimble changes. Uh, and we don't have to necessarily go and uh, you know put in a change form request uh, to a third party. So that's kind of the first one. And then the second piece is around the product. So um, a lot of our competitors, especially in Canada, will leverage you know stock products that would be available um, through various brokers or distribution arms. Uh, we're, we've built our own product uh, with with a partner in in Munich Reinsurance, and what that allows us to do is also be nimble on pricing. Have um, different elements that's really going to fit a small business customer uh, and release that, you know, through our distribution arm. So leverage that with brokers, uh, but have almost a select distribution on it. So it's not everywhere, rather it's where we want it to be. So Apollo would have different companies coming in, whereas you've got me and agree and you built your own and right with your Fox's Den app to basically customize it to kind of differentiate between that and same bullfrog has multiple companies. You've got the one where you've got control of the whole stack then. Yeah, and I think with our main products or, you know, our, our most important ones that uh, we've manufactured, so those would be like our, you know, GL product and ENO, those are what we have manufactured, but we're not against to bolting on additional products. So we have like a workers' comp add-on in the States. Uh, we want to do the same thing for cyber in Canada, uh, and that's working with partners outside of, of potentially Munich. Uh, so we're not opposed to it, uh, but I think the distinguishing factor is that kind of manufactured modular product that we've created. Pricing the same? Yes. Yeah. So uh, just to answer that question, so in market right now, the price point uh, is the price point. So you wouldn't get a different price going 
direct-to-consumer uh, versus, versus broker. Uh, the only change could be on a potential enterprise or program that would have a, almost a program rate. But I would say that's available both for uh, enterprise that we do directly or for programs that we do with brokers, right? So that would be the only area that you might see a slight difference. You came from a, a big insurance company. Um, any idea how big insurance companies are thinking about the reinsurance markets kind of shortening their vertical stack to go closer to the customer? It's an interesting question. Like we're seeing some uh, traditional carriers exiting out of small business, um, you know, and focusing a little bit more on uh, maybe their their stock products or middle market or specialty. Um, so if we're relating this question kind of directly to small business, um, potentially they're they're moving away from it because of these, you know, reinsurance backed insurtechs or super MGAs. Um, but I still think that there's some carriers that are doing it right and well. Um, it's going to be about offering, though, a product that is tailor-made and streamlined and having like a, a BOP or a big policy pack for, you know, a sole prop contractor is probably not going to work for them. Um, so how do we evolve that? We all know how long it can take a traditional broker carrier process to to get a small business policy out the door. Mm-hmm. Are, are, how, how does your how does your process and compare to that? Yeah, so I think when when we say full end to end quote issue bind, uh, it's it's very much that. So for the products that we have online uh, and those that fit the appetite, you can get a, a quote price within five minutes. Uh, you know, embed uh, fulfill through an embedded stripe and, and DocuSign and be out the door and call it six minutes with your your policy, your certificate and uh, documents. So uh, it's not a binder or it's not a promise to quote or price. It's the actual policy. Um, so we're excited uh, with with the growth that we've seen and the Canadian consumer starting to get there. It's taken a little bit of time. And uh, then in the U.S., uh, I, I'd say the the tendency to buy online, search online, you know, I think you guys have all been part of the uh, think tanks uh, and the evolution of digital brokers. The U.S. is a little bit further ahead. Uh, so we are seeing that with the consumer, um, but uh, it's been fun to watch. Josh, I had a pre-canned question here about integration with commercial carriers. Mm-hmm. And so far, what I'm hearing is you're not doing that. You're 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 manufacturing product and putting something out. So you've you've mentioned programs, quote unquote. Um, so I'm a broker. I have a small program. Like, how do you help the average broker who might have a line on a particular industry? I've got a ton of widget makers. How does that work? Yeah, so I would say the first question on like connecting in with uh, carriers, we we are starting to do that. Um, so we we have the ability to do that. I'd say our first one was uh, working with a, a partner in Amtrust for uh, workers comp. So we we have done the integration through their APIs and put other products on our platform. So that's been uh, a good step forward to then iterate on that. Uh, with regards to brokers and programs. 
we would have multiple different ways to satisfy that. So based off the size of the program, you know, if it was a vertical that you were focusing on and you had an association, it could be as simple as, you know, a co-branded or dedicated landing page for that customer to fulfill and you provide that digital experience. Uh, if it was a bigger program that would, would justify the, the tech spend, uh, we would, we'd be able to white label an offering. Uh, so that's where, you know, the customer, the look and feel could be uh, like your insurance brokerage with Fox Quilt, obviously manufacturing the the rate underwriting, uh, the straight through processing. Uh, so we we are having conversations with with both brokers and, and agents in the, the U.S. around that program style business. And then our technology has been built in a way that you can skin it, you can white label it, or you can potentially SAS it out as well. Um, so lots of lots of really cool stuff. So what's what's the minimum here? Like how, how how much revenue, how much premium, whatever it is, to actually engage with Fox Quilt does it take? Yeah, so I think right now, like in the in the stage that we're in with with broker distribution and, and agency distribution, uh, we're looking for strategic partners that are selling in a digital fashion or they have a need for uh, technology to be able to quote issue bind right. Um, from a minimums, we don't really have uh, necessarily uh, something that's defined. Rather, it's more a fit. Uh, from a program perspective, I would say it needs to have some scale to be able to white label. So a million and up, I would say for sure, to, to run a, a program and for it to justify a white label solution. Um, but from a strategic broker angle in Canada, we're already speaking to, you know, I think some of you at like, Jeff and I have had some conversations. Um, we're we're looking for brokers that are looking for solutions that are fit for small business that can bring more technology to you know your offices and and be another option to to satisfy the needs of uh, consumers. Like, what if we flip this on its head for a second? And is there a chance that that you are a fast prototyping for Munich's Rees digital app or? Um... Piece and you know next they're going to have a Munich Re program and app for Jeff and hey here's the SLA you have to have it filled out this way and this what constitutes a bind and yeah it's a good question it's not something I think we we've, we've thought about too too much or, or concerned ourselves around uh, the amount of like effort and work that goes into these partnerships uh, with with something like Munich um, is a lot right and they they do require the technology to be there, uh, the full stack to be there, integrations, uh, premium goals. So I, I think I wouldn't see it as a, a widget style model where they're going to want to be everywhere, um, at least from what I've seen and, and had conversations with them about. One cool question, and then we're kind of going a little off script here, but uh, yeah, okay. the, uh, the direct-to-consumer one you've got, uh, the, the quote buying an issue, do you have people to reach out to go over coverages and talk to people on your direct-to-consumer arm, or is a consumer just buying it and then they get what they get, or how does that work on your model? Yeah, no, I think it's a really good question. And, you know, what I mentioned earlier on the, uh, especially the Canadian consumer, still not quite ready to fulfill completely online, especially for commercial. Uh, we, we do have uh, multiple different avenues to explain the coverage. So we have, uh, you know, a chat system that's real live licensed brokers. Uh, we have uh, something we call the Bob quote. Uh, so our uh, our head of SME is, is 
uh, Bobby Sherwood, uh, and he kind of mastered the Bob quote, which is a broker-assisted bind. Uh, so that's when a broker would would come in and help fulfill. So they might uh, a customer might get stuck on a question or not quite understand, or you know they've quoted but they've uh, added a bunch of uh, limits or coverages that they might not require, or we want to add on coverage for them. So we have avenues through that, and we do find. We're seeing more straight through on partnerships, I would say, where they're a bit more trained uh, and the D to C, uh, we do need to uh, call it Bob, uh, a few quotes for sure. You know, we've been focusing a lot on Canada because obviously that's where we're from. But uh, you, know, you mentioned the U.S. a couple of times. So maybe and we do have U.S. viewers. Uh, so maybe you can just give us a quick, uh, quick bit on your U.S. expansion plans. Yeah, thanks, Tom. And it's been it's been really cool to be part of uh, you know a North American organization. Um, and I kind of mentioned before, uh, first transnational uh, kind of small business provider out there. So right now we're we're live in in eight states with our platform on admitted product. But we're really excited. Hopefully, when this goes live, you know we're going to be in twenty states. Um, so definitely uh, a big push is in the US. Uh, the Canadian business is always going to be our, our baby and, and, and where we grow, we're, we're a Canadian company, uh, but we're also a US organization. Uh, so we have a head office in the States in Charlotte. Uh, it's, it's a great place to be. Um, it's a great little tech hub. Uh, and our plans are definitely to, to grow uh, the, in the US market. Uh, and towards the end of the year, hitting up some of the big four states, right? So if we think about Florida, Texas, um, New York, uh, a lot of and California, a lot of growth opportunity, a lot of interesting agent partnerships, and a, a lot of interesting enterprise partnerships to be found. Cool. Hey, loyal listeners, when you hear me say CAS certified, that means that we use them in our agency. Are you a local insurance agent looking to take your business to the next level? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS aka nationwide brokerage solutions but like in today's world we use these initials like it's cool because it is it's hip at nationwide brokerage solutions they offer the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing market that's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers no matter how unique they may be with a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and the guidance you need to see your agency succeed. Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't you survive in the competitive insurance industry? Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions today. Get started today and learn more at mbsbrokerage.com. That's where you learn more, mbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. Josh, you mentioned earlier that... Um you're seeing sort of more adoption on the consumer side as well as potentially on the carrier side of connectivity in the U.S. versus Canada. Why do you think Canada is lagging the U.S. in terms of connectivity? Is is it officially? Is it? it are we starting with that baseline? I, I don't think that. I think I don't think that's true. I think I think Josh mentioned that people are binding online, but I would go toe to toe with anybody in the U.S. for what we're doing in Canada. It's my opinion, but Josh, you tell us. So I think a toe-to-toe in terms of like digital brokering or offering that experience, you know, we are there in Canada. I would say the more carrier integration, um, working with aggregators and wholesalers is more advanced uh, in the U.S. just based off 
Um, if we look at some of the wholesale aggregators for agencies, uh, call it like a, a bold penguin bolt or Appalachian, you know, they have networks of 10,000 agents that are relying on their software to plug in to have five product quotes on small commercial. They've integrated through APIs with all those carriers or MGAs. I don't think we're there yet in Canada. I know we're, we're, we're building it. Uh, and, you know, Adam, looking at you with, with Quoti, we have Calify out in, in Alberta. I think we're, we're starting to get there, but I would say it's a little bit further along on that side of the house. I think it, it's going to happen. Uh, it just might not happen with, with every carrier, right? So if you see some starting to exit in certain realms like small business or areas of personal insurance, but if you're serious about a product line, you have to create your APIs. Uh, you need to be able to integrate. Uh, and provide, you know, brokers the ability to have uh, the digital experience that they need to fulfill with customers. And then on an enterprise side, you would need to be able to plug in and start to embed offerings to to really advance your game. And that has to happen through open API connectivity. Now you're singing from our songbook there. So just for the record, I was talking about carrier to broker connectivity, not digital brokers Canada versus digital brokers US. It was more about the connectivity side. So Come back to my question. Why, why do you think, in terms of carrier connectivity, why do you think the U.S. is, is ahead of us in Canada, Josh? It's a good question. I, I think yeah. maybe there's the customer need that uh, you know is demanding it. Uh, so it, it allows for a carrier uh, or insurer to up their game and, and be there when they need to be. Uh, and it's a fear of missing out, right? So the first one goes, then those follow. We haven't quite seen that yet in, in Canada where like major insurance carriers have opened up API access, right? We haven't. All right. Let, let's uh, switch gears here for a second. Let's talk about e-commerce, right? Obviously something that's been on the upswing for the last you know, decade plus and definitely throughout uh, the pandemic. So, you know, why don't you talk to us about what's going on there, uh, Josh? Because, you know, I think we're all aware that when there's a whole bunch of people who don't know what they're doing from an insurance perspective, starting businesses, there's uh, you know, potential issues down the road. So why don't you uh, fill us in there and what you guys are doing to uh, to respond to it? Sure. Yeah, I think the e-commerce business is like super interesting. Uh, we spent a lot of time researching it and understanding it. Um, like I, I pulled up a couple of stats, but 35 billion in e-commerce sales in 2021 in Canada, 870 billion in uh in e-commerce sales uh, in in the U.S., so like you know, massive, massive uh, amounts of of growth in that industry, and I think what that brings in is a you know a new market for insurance. So the penny really dropped on this one when the Amazon U.S. started to require uh, their their marketplace sellers to obtain you know one one to two million liability uh and some insure tech started to enter in and be able to provide that experience digitally uh end to end so we saw the opportunity to to really be the first one in canada to have that true end-to-end -end online experience for e-commerce um and the second piece is we we identified a bit of a product need in that there were a lot of Canadian uh, product offerings out there for Amazon sellers, but it didn't necessarily satisfy their sales in the US. So anytime you breached, call it 25% of sales in the US, your premiums would you know, go tenfold. Uh, so I think the first policy that we sold uh, was someone who had 95% uh, US sales. They had a 
uh, $13,000 premium and we were able to insure them for, you know, a couple grand at a decent size revenue. And I think that's the power of bringing in this transnational uh, experience and working with uh, a global reinsurer is that they understand uh, the book, but an Amazon seller in the U.S. versus an Amazon seller in Canada, the fact that they sell in both, should it, should it warrant 10 times the premium? Probably not, right? So I think that's where we're seeing uh, some early growth, but some, some definite excitement uh, in the market. One of the things as we hear about the e-commerce uh, embedded insurance and you know products, white label on my website, digital products, I'm always as a bit of an older broker, where's the E and O lie? Like who, who's picking up that exposure when it's bought online under you, but they came in through my site. Has there been any, have, have you had any, you know, losses that landed in your lap versus the brokers? Like, is there an agreement contractually that way? So if I plug you in and you're selling the product, but, they're landing on my site to get it. Like when 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 they didn't declare and they they conveniently forget about some sort of uh, operation that they have, and fingers are pointed. Where does that go? Yeah, I would say there's like multiple different ways to answer that. First of all, it'd be the kind of broker of record. So if you were writing our e-commerce product, you would have uh, a contract with us that stated. Um, you would provide that that coverage and that option to the consumer, so that would probably fall on the broker of record. Um, if it was a you know a fox quilt D 2 C, for instance, that would fall on our own organization and our our own uh, you know. And then there there are some controls in place that attestations that need to be answered by customers that fulfill online because you know that is a real concern to ensure that uh, these e commerce. Uh, merchants are getting the, the, the coverage they need, but you know they are stating all of the different products that they're selling, uh, so that at a time of claim we can respond um, and there's no misrepresentation. So I uh, hope that answers it. But I would say whoever's whoever's selling the product. So if we were working with you on a solution, you'd be broker of record. You would probably still have to fulfill a lot of those customers through an assisted bind, for instance, which would then transfer that to to your end. Versus if if we wrote it alone, it would be on us. Okay, because that generally is a big concern with any kind of buy quote online with commercial. Commercial lines is a lot more complicated, right? Yeah. And I think that it, it also comes down to streamlined and simplicity of product too, right? So when you talk about uh, a product's liability or a GL for something like e-commerce, it's pretty defined. It's it states exactly what's covered, uh, but there needs to be an education and awareness for uh, what these customers need and uh, what we can fulfill online through our products. But if they need certain additions, like they have a massive cyber exposure, we should be able to offer that as well, right? So uh, it's not just a stock product. There could be additions as well that need to be offered as part of our 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 servicing of those. Yeah, one of the challenges we have in rural areas is people are doing multiple things. So, mm-hmm. you know, I have a, I have a B and B I do welding and I drive Uber or <laughs> whatever, you know, like they do it all. How do you cover that? <laughs> yeah. It's that one thing we are trying to do is, is tackle part of that problem. So we call it, uh, you know, 
multi-ISO rating or multi-operational rating. I'd say it's a bit more suited towards our contractor product right now. But, you know, you have a lot of, of, of contractors that do multiple different defined exposures. So they could be uh, an electrician, they could be a plumber, they could also then do lawn care. So how do you how do you make sure that you rate that policy accordingly? You built the Fox Den and you've got that incredible tech stack with the APIs. And everybody's talking about the buzzword like it used to be, uh, uh, you know, there's always the different buzzwords that come out. But now it's embedded insurance. That seems to be the one. I want to get uh, Fox quotes, uh, you know, your spin on the embedded insurance. You know, what does it look like? You know, where is it going to go? So, you know, I think embedded is kind of that that term that's out there, especially in the insure tech world. And I think what's good about it is there's various there's variations of embedded, right? So you can start at the basics. How do we embed ourselves into a customer journey for purchasing? So if you think about, you know, a basic partnership example, uh, we're working with a, a cleaning program. So it's an online supply and demand matchup. Um, there's someone online that's built uh, a platform to satisfy people requiring cleaning services. When they sign up cleaners, those are classified as subcontractors. And in order to do business with them, um, they require certificates. So, you know, for a, a small business owner who's providing that platform, insurance could end up being 25% of their operation because they're chasing certificates, they're following up. So embedding yourself into that offering um, and partnering with organizations uh, to alleviate the insurance concerns, right, by providing uh, full quote issue bind functionality, automated certificates, that would be like your, your basic level of embedded that I think is achievable by, you know, a lot of different in- insurance distribution arms, uh, including, uh, you know, InsureTechs, including digital brokers, um, to just alleviate some of the pain points. Uh, and then it gets a little bit more interesting when we talk about uh, embedding fully into an offering, right? So you don't want a customer to ever leave uh, the funnel of where they are. Uh, so if they're within Wayfair and they're signing up to be a, a merchant or seller, they should never leave Wayfair. And as part of them signing up and as part of their fees, the you know uh, Excalibur price is displayed or the Fox Quilt price is displayed. Um, and they don't leave that. They get a certificate issued automatically. That would be more of like a true embedded. Uh, and then I think what we're seeing now, some, some businesses that are just basing their entire business model off it, like a, a cover genius um, where they're doing deals with uh, Ryanair and travel insurance, for instance, um, and or, or a Tesla that's that's testing out the market there. Uh, what's funny is it seems to always come back though to an insurance professional or an insurance arm to distribute, which is encouraging because I think it's needed. But the pricing is kind of a big thing, as you saw by the stocks. I think uh, Matt Carbarno. I don't know if you saw it today, but he released how well uh, Lemonade's doing in terms of 90% loss ratio, 167% combined ratio. You know, it's one thing to embed it and do that, but at the end of the day, you still have to make a profit and it's got to be profitable. I think it has taught us that um, as a, a growth company, you have to scale responsibly, right? So 
as you raise your your rounds, you need to make sure you're investing in multiple different arms, right? Your technology, um, your product, but also importantly, your underwriting and profitability. So working with your partners uh, or who, who may be providing capacity or if you're doing it on your own end uh, to make sure that you're always protecting your bottom line because, you know, we've, we've all lived it um, in terms of that, you know, cyclical flow or if you always go hyper, hyper growth, the uh, you know that that earn loss ratio it's going to catch up and I think that's what we're seeing with some uh, insure techs and some insure techs on lines of business that have traditionally been underperforming like condo insurance or you know personal auto uh, you have to be really careful how you scale and make sure you're always protecting the bottom line um, so those are some learnings that that we're seeing and taking uh, it's that responsible scale with good growth. Um, but making sure you're, you're uh, taking it seriously in terms of your bottom line. I have a bit of an ad hoc um, question sure. on here. If you if we gave you a magic wand um, and said, you know, with your fox quilt hat on um, in the industry, what would you have the industry start doing as a whole? What would you have the industry stop doing? And, and what do you want to see it keep doing in a continued sort of deepening? I guess start doing, I think, would be releasing more uh, technology into consumers' hands because some of the feedback that we are getting is the experience and the ease of of purchasing your policy. And we're, we're seeing that in direct consumer, we're seeing that in partnerships, and we're seeing that um, with brokers as well when they have quote issue buying technology. So keep pushing that, um, especially for products that make sense to be sold online. Uh, so I mentioned it earlier, I think there needs to be, you know, more insure techs, more digital brokers uh, to continue uh, that evolution and push because we've, we've seen it. Other industries have evolved quicker than insurance, um, and it's important that uh, we continue to to release tech in the hands of of Canadian and American consumers. Uh, so that's one. I'd say um, stop doing. I think we we apologize a little bit too much, and maybe that's a, a Canadian piece. But uh, apologizing for what we're doing or trying to push, I think it's important that we're confident. Um, in, in what we're doing in terms of bringing technology to the forefront of the, the buying cycle for, uh, for insurance. Uh, so we got to stop, stop apologizing so much uh, and uh, continue doing. Uh, I think it's really important that we continue to educate the consumer, right? So if we bring in more uh, tech-forward solutions, uh, the, the, the consumer is only as good as what they know. So it's really important that that message is uh, brought forward uh, educating consumers on why e-commerce insurance liability is, is necessary to be a merchant or a seller on Amazon or Etsy, um, educating uh, brokers on how to bring technology into their office by, you know, partnering with companies like Foxquilt. Um, so I think education is, is super important and needs to continue. So Josh, we, our, our listeners, we're, we're starting to dial in on who they are and a uh, bunch of them are average brokers, you know, in the five to 50 or higher million range. And then we have a whole bunch of insurers that, that watch us too. So I have two questions. Number one, on the broker side, who do you want to hear from? Like um, that you could give opportunity to. And on the insurer side, just tell us who's, whose lunch are you coming to eat? I think on the broker side, we're looking to hear from uh, 
real partners that want to work with us on distributing streamlined product in small business, right? So if you have uh, if you have a book or if you have a marketing angle or program or need within a streamlined small business insurance product that you can fulfill digitally with your your customer base, um, you should be talking to us uh, to to see if there's opportunity. And the the carrier piece, you know, I'm I'm not gonna to name names, but it would be if. It, we're, we're, we're going after uh, carriers that aren't evolving product or technology in the small business space, right? So if you're still relying on, um, you know, BOP or policy packs uh, or um, adding on way too many frills to a policy to get to an average premium of $1,700 in, in small commercial, I would say that's probably who we're going after. Because based on competitor research, based on um, the real needs of some of these small business owners that just can't afford it, right? Um, that's what we're trying to to do. We're trying to uh, we're trying to give small business owners the ability to obtain these insurance policies, do it online, and and not break the bank while doing so. So, what's next? Yeah. So um, you know the journey's been really fun. Uh, like, I love being part of, of an insure tech, uh, a growth company. I, I kind of joke with the fact that uh, I think it's been eight, nine months, but it's felt like two and a half years. So that's, that's in a good way. Um, it's in a good way. Welcome to this side of insurance yeah. distribution. Or maybe, or maybe it's just this side, right? I know coming from a carrier, uh, but I, I'd say there's a couple things. So one uh, increasing our, our product, uh, uh, you know our, our product roadmap. So we do have some plans to release new product throughout the end of of this year and into next. You know, extending towards a, a really good, sound professional liability product. We see a lot of need for that uh, in the small business space. Uh, hospitality has a big need. Uh, you know, to, to actually fulfill and buy online for for hospitality has been a difficult class, um, but. Again, small business owners that have been hit really hard, right? So how can we bring something that's that's good and ready uh, and, and a, a strong product? Um, I'd say the the second piece is UX UI. So when when I first came on board, our journey was pretty good. Uh, it, it it was a little clunky at times, and we focused a ton of investment and effort on user experience um, and uh, user interface. So that's gonna I'd say before we used to put that on a roadmap as once a quarter. Now it's a full team just dedicated to it. Um, so where people are getting stuck or uh, feedback we're getting with brokers uh, on a beta basis to build a platform. Um, we think UX UI is, is super uh, invaluable and important. Uh, and the last piece is on expanding our distribution, right? We're, we're a growth company. Uh, we want to scale. And we see uh, the biggest benefit in uh, enterprise B2B partnerships and our, our broker, agent, and, and wholesale network. Um, so hoping to work with some of you guys uh, to push that out for sure. Is retention important to your brokerage? Of course it is. That's why at IFS, we have a cancellation prevention process. Want more details? Give us a call. I know you don't always use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. 
Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, AK Agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast Certified.